Solvers. How is it going? Good morning, good afternoon, and good night for all of you guys who are listening from all across the globe, this wonderful, beautiful place that we call Earth. And I wanted to welcome you to the podcast, to another episode of the Good Grow Great Podcast, because we are talking all things growing, all things getting to a point where you're living the life that you deserve and also doing it proudly and being able to look back upon your life and saying, you know what, this is something, this is right. And I'm doing something right here, right? So in that vein, today, I want to talk about how to be yourself and yet still be able to convince someone about things that are good for them. And this is a topic that's very interesting because I think a lot of us, let's, we're going to dive into this a little bit in the episode, but I think a lot of us think of the art of persuasion and convincing anyone as something that we shouldn't all be doing. But I'm going to share with you an experience that I had with my own kids, my personal experience, that actually led me to decide, actually, this is good, not just for my kids, but for other people as well. And so we're going to dive into what it looks like to still be yourself, still do your own thing, right? And do the things that you're always, you've always been doing, and yet still have the ability to get the other side, get the other person to basically look at things and uh, and have a shared experience with you and looking at things and agreeing with you. So what does that look like exactly? So when you're done with this podcast episode, there's going to be a few takeaways. And one of the takeaways that you're going to take home today after you run around and you're jogging and you're listening to this podcast or after you're finished driving or getting to work or picking up the groceries or maybe maybe even after your laundry while uh, that you do while you're listening to this podcast, you are going to be getting a couple of uh, things that are so valuable, so invaluable that it is uh, my goal and my hope that it will change your life in a marvelous, marvelous way. And one of those things is what it looks like to convince someone that they need something that they didn't yet know that they need, right? That's the number one thing. And the second thing that we're going to talk about actually before that first thing that we're going to talk about is our relationship with the art of persuasion. And this is interesting because I was never taught this and I wish somebody had taught me this when I was younger and taught it to me in a way that is just beautiful and absolutely uh, impactful. So, so important, right? And the third thing that I want to talk about is what exactly on a ground level does this look like for anyone who is leading one person, two people, right? A huge group. And what does that look like in the form of words, right? How does that look like? And it doesn't matter if you're not actually a natural born leader, if you don't actually lead people. Think about it. Every single person here is actually a leader. And I wanted to share with you why, because the next person that you're sitting, somebody else who you're sitting next to, that 
in a conversation, there is a give and take. There is a, a leader there at one moment, and then the other person lead the conversation in another moment. So we're all leaders in various different ways, which is why this topic is so, so important. So without further ado, Growth Solvers, hit that follow and subscribe button, and let's get growing. Okay, you guys, so this is something that I didn't know I, I don't I didn't know that most parents dealt with this, but when I just had my kids, right, and you always kind of see two things, two sides of the coin, and before I had kids, I was like, oh, they're so cute, and then there's also this side of the coin where, oh my goodness, they're terrible, right, so it's kind of, it's these two sides of the coin, and I didn't really know what I was getting into until I'm a little bit unlike, I think, a lot of men and women who want to have kids, and I didn't really know what that looked like, right, and what that meant in terms of work and business and how it all relates to my my passion. So when my kids were really, really young, I remember they used to go to sleep kicking and crying and whining and all the things and, and waking up every single hour and just throwing a huge tantrum. And I couldn't figure out what's wrong because I've fed them, I've bathed them, I've changed them, the whole thing. And occasionally they would still throw a hissy fit for an, over an hour. And I would try everything, everything in my mind, not to make them even more upset. Because in my mind, okay, that means that they are going to get even more upset. It's kind of like the snowball thing, right? And, uh, but even, no matter what I try, there's, there's no success there. There's nothing that I can do. So it got to a point where I was kind of like, okay, screw it. Well, it's just, I guess that's just how it is, you know, and that there's nothing to it. They're not going to agree and they're not going to be convinced to sleep. And maybe that's just how it is. So. Of course, this meant that I wasn't sleeping much either. <laughs> and the house was a total wreck. I hated it. I wake up and I was exhausted every single day. Everyone hated, including the kick, the kicking and screaming kids as well. They hated it too. And I can tell that it wasn't a good feeling. And then one day I remember driving my kid to the store to grab something. And without warning, without any further warning at all, I dozed off at the wheel for a couple seconds. This is a true story. Luckily, nothing happened. I woke up and I snapped back into reality before anything happened. And I was like, whoa, what just happened here? If you guys know cars in America, a lot of cars in America are on auto and they're not stick drive, right? There's not, it's not a stick drive. And so it's very easy to fall asleep and doze off, especially if you've been lacking sleep for days, months, or maybe even years. So that happened. And I don't remember how long it was. It, it felt like it was a few seconds, maybe even several seconds, right? Close to 10 seconds, which is kind of a long time. And I felt like it was a close call. So close that I realized, hang on a second, this is not good at all. This is bad. This is bad. I mean, as a new parent at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible parent, right? And you, all of these 
terrible things come into mind and you're kind of like, this is not good. And you worry, right? And I was so worried for a long time, I think about upsetting the kids when they're wanting to sleep and they're doing it kicking and crying that I didn't do what's actually good for them, which is getting some much needed shut eye so that they can grow properly and getting it both for myself and for them, right? And finding ways so that they can actually get a proper night's sleep and doing so not just selfishly, of course we want to sleep, but if you think about it, it's also good for them and it's apparently also safe for them because it kept everyone from that kind of horror split second when you realize that you've fallen asleep on the wheel. And that was when I knew that this whole thing needed to stop. The whole thing needed to change. So of course, being the nerd that I am and being kind of a geek, I put together a plan on how to encourage better sleep and there's there are much there are many information out there, and I'm obviously not a sleep or parenting expert. My space is business, of course, and growth and career and all that good stuff. And after some trials and errors, I realized that it worked. Right? It worked with the kids. They slept, and I slept. It was just absolutely beautiful. And oh, the sweet sound of a full eight hours of sleep. It was absolutely amazing. And I found out when I woke up and felt refreshed for the first time, I think at that point, close to a couple of years now, I woke up and I realized that my relationship with that internal conversation, that internal monologue that I'm having in my own brain about not wanting to upset them was actually hurting not just me, but also hurting themselves. It was a huge disservice for them. And if we're completely honest, we've all done this with our work, our business and personal relationship, business relationships, all of these things. How many times, if we're completely honest, have you avoided a difficult conversation or a difficult thing, any difficult thing, challenging thing, because you didn't want to feel like you're pushing in, right? I certainly have. It was just kind of at some at some points it was like, well, it's easier not to do that, right? At that point, that's what we think. But then in retrospect, you look back and you're like, no, 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 no. It's actually easier if you do, which is important. Just this lesson when I was falling asleep behind the wheel, this is exactly what I learned. And I remember this is kind of the relationship that I had when I first started my business. And, uh, and I sort of, there were moments when I essentially avoided sharing my offerings, right? Because I thought that when I just kind of let, you know, let them be, even though I know that it can totally help them, it could totally change their lives. They, uh, there are times when they went, oh, you know what? Uh, I don't know. And you kind of start to basically shirk back. So I did, right? And I kind of, and that was actually a conversation that was happening internally. But what's surprising is that instead of getting thanks from people for not sharing my offerings, right? Which was what I was expecting. And I was kind of like, okay, great. That's going to be awesome. Sometimes I got some surprising responses that left my mouth wide open. And I want to read to you some of the responses that I've encountered over the course of the years and also some 
other people have encountered in their own work, their business, everything, and also other students who have come in before they started at Good Grow Great. These are some responses that their future client, you know, potential people who really could have benefited from what they offer, right? And when they didn't offer it, when they didn't share it, when they didn't really uh, say, here you go, these are the things that they say. So listen to this, okay? One person said, I felt mad. I felt mad. The person said, I really wanted it. I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> so this was so surprising for me because mad wasn't exactly the kind of the reaction I would have expected when somebody didn't want to, uh, you know, didn't want to buy, right? Or didn't want to maybe learn from you or didn't want to work with you. And it's very, very interesting. And here's another response. It says, how come you didn't tell me about it? I wish that you would. So again, really kind of surprising. And again, it was kind of like this angle of hey, you're doing me a disservice here. I don't even, I didn't even know about it. And I'm kind of upset about it. I'm kind of, some person even said they're mad, right? And there's another person who said, I can't believe that I've missed it. This would have been really great for me. <laughs> and uh, there's another person who says, I guess now I have to go back to that job that I hate and live that same bleep life. And I'm bleeping it out just because I don't, uh, you know, I don't know who's listening here, but, uh, and there is another, yet another person, and this is the last one that's really interesting. It says, I'm so peed. Why didn't you tell me? Of course, he didn't say pee. Uh, he said something much more graphic, of course, right? Why didn't you tell me? So what are you, what are we noticing here from the trend of some of the responses that people share with everyone about, about how they feel when they didn't get what they needed, right? And the person who can offer it did not share it. It's almost like a kind of like a, a blame placement, right? They're blaming you. They're blaming other people who did not share it. And I thought that this was really weird. The first time that I saw this, I went, this is really weird because the reactions here are almost guttural, probably no different than if your kids grew up hating you because you didn't teach them certain things, right? Um, and this does happen a lot, I think, particularly for people who grew up in multilingual families and, you know, the parent can speak a certain language and the kid ended up growing up and not really learning the, the native tongue, their mother's tongue or father's tongue or whatever it is, they then would circle back when they're in 20s and 30 years of age and they say, how come you didn't teach me how to speak whatever it is, Russian or whatever, right? And um, But then, of course, when they were younger, the parents have all the reasons and they have all the reasons why they didn't teach the kid. Maybe because the kid was uninterested, mad at the parent when the parent doesn't doesn't uh, let them not, uh, you know, not learn the language or maybe just play video games or whatever. So what's happening here exactly? And I want to kind of stress how important this is, is because when I realize what's going on here, my relationship with persuasion, right, the psychology of being able to still be yourself, but also lift other people up 
in the form of your offerings, your programs, your products, your services, your business, everything, it really changes my life because I realize that this is almost like if you had, uh, maybe you're watching a trailer of a movie, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. That's so great. Um, you know, I really wanted to to watch the movie and, or maybe I'm not so sure, right? But they kept looking at this trailer. They kept tuning in and just kind of curiously observing and making that decision of whether or not they should buy it or maybe they should uh, reserve the ticket or maybe they should wait until it comes out on DVD, right? Making all of these decisions in their heads. Now, imagine though, if those trailers kept playing for weeks and months and years, and the movie never dropped. The movie never dropped. The studios decided, you know what? We're not going to share with the public the actual movie. We're just going to, the trailers are already out there, but we're not going to drop it for the public to view. What do you think will be some of the reactions of people who have been following it? Even if they, don't, they haven't said, yeah, I'm going to go see it, what do you think some reactions would be? Exactly. Exactly like some of those things that had been mentioned, some of those statements, some reactions that uh, that we have just read, right? I felt mad. How come? I can't believe I missed it, right? Why didn't you tell me? And these are interesting, so, so interesting. So this is why I want to encourage you to share what you have, monetary or otherwise. If you're just great at something, you want to help someone out, great, amazing. If you have something amazing, skills that can change someone's life, share it. Now, this leads us to basically the first point that I want to make about how to persuade and convince anyone what they need about what they're needing, what they really need by just being yourself, right? And the first point is that remember that what you have can actually change not just their day, or their year, it can change their life. Now, I've shared this topic in another podcast episode slightly and a little bit more deeply, and uh, I want to touch on this also because it is very, very important, and I want to share with you why this is something that is deeply personal to me. And years ago, I came to this country because my home country of Indonesia got too dangerous for me to live in. And when I found myself halfway around the world from everything that I knew, speaking a language that I didn't know at all, well, I knew kind of a little bit, I didn't speak it fluently at all, right? And I was surrounded with people who didn't look like me, people who didn't talk like me, think like me, act like me. And it was bad. It was bad because I was a teenager. I was old enough to weather it in many ways, but I was still young enough to felt not just uncomfortable, but really just this nagging, unsettling feeling, right? And I, again, I've shared this to in other podcasts as well. When a lot of people ask me about this, I've shared how basically the worst part of that whole experience, moving into a new country, dealing with a complete civil unrest and riots, pillaging, raping, everything going on, 
all very unexpectedly. The worst part of it all was not that I immigrated into a foreign country and no longer have access with family, friends. Again, this is before Instagram Live, right? FaceTime, all of that. Um, I think Yahoo Chat at that point was just kind of becoming big, which is sort of hilarious now looking back. But the worst part of that whole experience was that no one, not a single person, aside from my family and friends who were great, kept in touch with me, not a single person bothered finding me, raising their hands and saying, I'm here, I can help, right? And I wanted to make sure, I want to be clear that this isn't really like, you know, ooh, boo-hoo, you know, Talia, you're so sad, like no one's helping. And that's not at all what I'm saying here. The, the, the thing that I'm saying is basically, it surprised me and it's a reflection of not just everyone, but myself as well. As it turns out, we are all extremely, extremely preoccupied thinking about what will they think of me, right? What will they say if I say X? What will they do if I offer that? What will they uh, think of me? What will they say to other people if I try to convince them about X, right? And this goes back to that topic of how can you actually convince someone that they need something, right? Especially if you've gone through the same things. And how could you do it in a way that is still being yourself in a way that is meaningful and beautifully intentional and purposeful? What does that look like exactly? And I don't think this is something that's taught in, at school, Definitely not. And so it's something that we need to teach ourselves, particularly if we want to have healthy, beautiful relationships with the people in our family, our kids, our spouse, our partner, our business partner, our colleagues, our boss, our clients, everybody. And it is something that came by, came to me almost organically, but really by way of failure and by way of fire. And, um, and the reason why I think this is important is because if you think about the times when you are maybe down, you're in a rut and, and, and somebody came to you, right? Again, it doesn't matter if it's your mom, your dad, your, you know, your, your best friend, roommate from college, whoever. Uh, and somebody came to you and say, Hey, listen, knock it off. This is what, what's going on. I think you can do X and let me help you do it. Right. Of course, that looks different from one person to the other, from one relationship to the other. And what it means though, is that if someone is willing to stand by your side during that difficult kind of cloudy points in your life when you are not sure what is the right thing to do and you're talking yourself out of basically doing the right thing, that's exactly the time when you as a person, as a friend, as a service provider, as a business person, need to find those important and impactful ways to convince that person of what they really need, something that absolutely can benefit them, and doing it by being yourself, right? So remember that what you have can actually change not just their day or their year, it can change their life. Okay, so that's the first one that I want to share. The second thing that I want to share about convincing anyone by being yourself is 
it's not about convincing, right? Um, it's This is not science, rocket science. It's not about convincing. It's about accepting that great leaders eat last. Now, a lot of you guys who follow the podcast, you guys know that I I love Simon Sinek's work. And he has a, I think it was a book when that he wrote about how leaders often eat last, right? What does this mean exactly? Are we starving ourselves here? That's not exactly what he's talking about. So I wanted to kind of touch on that for a second, and I'll share with you how this really, really matters when it comes to coming into agreement with someone, having a difficult conversation, and then convincing and persuading them about what's important, what's good. It usually takes, like like I've just mentioned, it usually takes someone else to essentially wake other people up of what they really need in life, right? Yes, okay, of course, those of you guys who are all proud and, you know, hey, I can do this myself, great, that's awesome. You know, that's amazing, more power to you. But there are definitely cases, there are definitely instances where that's not the case, right? And that's, it's, it's just, this is why sometimes people go to coaches to train them. Olympians go to non-Olympians to train them. Interesting, isn't it? Right? Michael Phelps, all these amazing Olympians. Sometimes they would have coaches and leaders and people who help them get out of a certain rut, a certain jam. And those people, sure, may have had the same experience, may have had been an Olympian and had been in a place that they wanted to go. But more often than not, they haven't. They're just there to support this person, which is amazing, right? So, and the, the real reason is, well, okay, well, why else do we look into books, mentors, or other advice out there? Why else do we do this? And the process does take time, always. Sometimes it's faster. Sometimes it's not so fast to be able to become a leader that you've always wanted and help somebody to get to a point that uh, that they are that they're really needing, right? And that includes sharing your business offering, sharing your services, even if they seem surprised that what you're doing can actually change their life, uh, their lives. And it is so important because great leaders, that's you. The great leaders know that to stand by someone's side and support them with what you have to offer means that you're willing to let someone else win before you do. And this is especially true if you want to earn handsomely doing what you do. It's so important to realize that leaders do eat last. It means that letting the other person get to a point that is revelatory, that explains a lot of things for them, that discovers and open up, uh, opens up their eyes. And this is so important to remember that it's not about convincing, it's about accepting that great, eater, great leaders eat last, and that's okay. But it's going to be a fulfilling meal, no matter how small or large the meal is. You will be so grateful and thankful, and this is such a, an impactful thing in your life if you're able to to see this. Now, the, the the other thing that I want to share with you on convincing anyone by being yourself is that you need to find essentially things that are actually worth a thousand words. And I don't actually mean that you have to be like this 
uh, scholarly person with the glasses behind like a tall thing of bookcases in a dark room. That's not what I mean. Of course, you can read. You know, I love to read as well. But for one, it can mean that you can find beautiful phrases, words, and things that help them help them cross the bridge. It's about getting them to connect those dots. It's about getting them to cross the bridge. And it looks different for every business. It looks extremely different. So I'm not going to get into the specifics because your business might be different from the next listener and, you know, halfway around the world who's also listening to this podcast and tuning into Good Grow Great. But it's so important that you go back into listening mode and hear what is it exactly that they're looking for. And for you to then share back and respond back, mirror back how they can get what they're looking back, what they're looking for when they invest in what you offer, right? And that's in this context of a business owner, of course. If, if that's in the context of personal relationship, it just means discovering what exactly it is that they're struggling with. And you might just find that what you've been saying to them is not what rings true to them. And this happens to me more ways than one. And it always without fail it always surprises me how this is totally true you know like kind of that that feeling i think this is true even for people who are advanced in their business have had the business for years and years a lot of times you're like oh i i know exactly what they want right uh, i i know that they need this and i'm this is how i'm going to put it so i'm going to share it not necessarily true more often than not, when I go back to the people who are needing it, the people who I'm looking to support, usually the things that are important for them is, is slightly different, right? And it's about being invaluable and not about that value-add hustle. And I talk about this concept of the invaluable, invalue, invaluableness of being able to find something that matters so much so that they cannot ignore you because it is that important versus doing multiple, so many dozens, maybe even hundreds of exhausting work trying to quote unquote add value. Now, I do want to share with you one specific example recently about how I was looking for a third party service for a component of my business and somebody who can help me in certain um, graphic design uh, role, right? And somebody sent me without having talked to me first or trying to uncover what it exactly that I need. Somebody sent me a full kind of three page proposal full with my, you know, branding, everything in it. And I was kind of floored, but not in a good way because it was so far off. And I felt kind of bad because I knew that it must have taken this person who knows, maybe at least an hour, maybe hours, maybe even days to put this together. And but and in their mind, it's value add and they're hustling. But when push comes to shove, when it really comes down to becoming invaluable, it actually, the value adding was backfiring, which was very interesting, right? So from the perspective of how can you be so invaluable that they cannot ignore you, it always starts with finding things that are actually worth 
thousands to them, right? Thousands of words, thousands of hours, thousands of anything, something that is really important. And like I said, for different people, this looks differently. And really the key is always to lean on them, lean on the person that you're trying to support and serve and, and, and ask them, you know, ask them and give generously once you discover it. And so many things to unpack here. And I always, like I said, in many, many of the podcast episodes this year and uh, to students at Good Grow Great, I believe in taking small and meaningful steps to create the biggest possible difference in your life. And that way you're running your business and it doesn't run you. So, so super important, right? So without further ado, Grow Solvers, I want you guys to hit follow or subscribe if you haven't. And so many more things that we're going to be talking about in the following weeks and in the weeks to come. And until then, you guys take care, stay safe and keep growing. 